This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Today, we did this last year. We did this the year before. This is one of my favorite things to do because there are some really incredibly bright people in this city who you don't hear from as often because they're busy doing other things. But for the last four years, they've been doing high school. And the three people I have in the studio today all have been valedictorians of their high school Finished school yesterday or today, so they are now done high school. Done high school, right? We're done. We're all done high school, right? Okay. First up, on the left on your radio dial, Ryan Clark from Sherwood, graduated from high school with honors, won the business award. He is going to Mohawk College in the fall to take computer systems technology software development. Stop for a second and think about how none of us could do that. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here, Scott. Uh, what computer systems techno? I can't even read that twice. What, what do you hope to be doing down the road? What's the uh, what's the end goal with this? Uh, mainly programming different types of software, maybe even some small games like apps in the future. Cool. All right. Next to him, in the middle, Nicole Graziano from Cathedral. She was valedictorian of her graduating class, as I said. She's been a member of Cathedral's Glee Club for the past three years. She volunteers, hopes to to continue contributing to the community uh, as she's done high school. She's attending McMaster University for social science and later plans to attend law school. Of course you do. (laughs) (laughs) Why law school? I just, I've always been inspired by the justice sector and I want to make sure that we maintain equality and justice as best as we can. That's a, that's a great answer. (laughs) That's a a good reason to do it. See, I thought you were going to say, because you know what? Lawyers can make a buttload of cash. (laughs) No, that's you. (laughs) And next to her, rounding out our panel, Tony Wong from Westdale. Uh, Tony graduated yesterday or the day before or recently, a couple weeks ago from Westdale with the Governor General's Academic Medal. He was president of the Student Council, vice president of Westdale's DECA, which is a business competition, percussionist in the concert band, enjoys writing and filmmaking. He will be going to McGill in the fall to study cognitive science in the arts and science program. And, and, and I had to bring this up, he got 100% in grade 12, like in everything. Yes, yeah. Not one mistake all year. A couple mistakes, but I think my teachers were able to look over that. <laughs> I don't want to like downplay my high school achievements that much, although they were pretty minuscule. But if you added up my grades in grade 12, I don't <laughs> think I got 100. 100, that is unfathomable. That is, I mean, did you guys get 100? No, I only got 90. <laughs> Oh, only 90. Yeah, see, again, I don't think I added up to 90 if you added up all my grades. That is, uh, congratulations. That Thank is, you. Did anyone else get 100? Um, you know, they, they gave out awards for the top uh, highest averages, and the second and third runner-ups were, like, in the 99s, like 99 point something. But to their credit, they did the IB program, like the International mm-hmm. Baccalaureate program, much harder. I would say that they probably deserve that more than I do. I was, uh, yeah, they they put in a lot of work there. Um, it's a much harder program. And you were very nice. You brought coffee for those teachers, for those one or two errors <laughs> you said, so they would overlook those. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, listen, guys, thanks for being here. As I say, these are uh, three of the remarkable students, remarkable high school students, and I'm glad you guys are here. Let's start with that first right off the bat today, because you know what? We talk a lot on this show and everywhere else about the economy, about jobs, about kids, about millennials, about what you're going to do when you move along, when, you know, what they say when you grow up, you guys are grown up, but you know what I mean. 
How worried are you guys when you hear all this stuff and when you hear stories about the economy and housing prices going through the roof and do you guys sit there and worry all the time or do you say, no, this is fine. We'll, we'll pull this off. Terrified. Really? I'm terrified. Yeah. Um, like the, the sort of theme of my valedictorian speech was fear. Because, I mean, not to make the whole graduation a downer, but I feel like it was important to recognize that it's kind of scary, you know, growing up, but also growing up in the kind of uh, landscape politically and whatever economically that we're growing up in. It's it's a little scary, yeah, to say the least. You share that, Nicole? I definitely do. But on the growing up comment, I feel like a lot of graduates from grade 12, like, oh, we're done. We're adults now. We haven't even started. If life was a marathon, we're still stretching. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and that can be one of two things. That can either make you really, really optimistic because you're just looking at this and going, oh, it's going to work out fine. Or because you've never been in it yet, really, in the working world, you can say, man, it's going to be horrible. Like how? how? And you... Ryan, you guys are three of the really accomplished, really smart. I mean, so if you guys are worried... What were your classmates? Did you ever talk about this with them? Did you ever get a sense that people in the school were really pessimistic or was everyone really optimistic? I think it's a bit of both. It really depends on who you talk to, but it also depends on like right now it could seem really bad, but in a few weeks everything could change and go really good or really bad. So you never know what's going to happen. You chose, again, with the program that you're going to go into with the computer systems technology software development, did you choose that specifically because you love doing that kind of thing? Or did you do it because you looked and said, you know what, down the road, that's going to get me a job? Well, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at first, but then in grade 10, I took a computers class and then I got really interested in that. So then in grade 11 and 12, I also took more computer class. And then that's when I decided that that's what I wanted to do in the future. And it also is helpful that in the future, everything will be technology based. So it'll be a lot easier to find a job. And I may not have to worry like some people about possibly getting a good career in the future. But did that make your decision? Like, did you, you didn't, so you're saying you didn't choose this just because you thought that this would get you a job down the road. It's what you love to do first. Yeah, that's what I love to do. But now, looking back, I think it was the right decision because even doing other stuff, I don't really think I'm as passionate as anything about as I am about computers. Nicole, what I mean, you're going into law, and again, you sound very passionate about it. But was part of it? Do you consider before you decide to make those decisions? Do you consider are there jobs in this field? I definitely like to analyze all my decisions, and one as big as my future like had to be analyzed. I would love to be an actress or a stand-up comedian, and I love performing, but I also want to have a house when I'm older (laughs) and eat every day. Yeah, that's a good thing. So, you know, I figured that I would get into law, which is something I do enjoy doing. Maybe not as much as acting, but But sometimes... if you're in court, there's acting involved. There's performing, right? If you if you become a, I mean, I don't know if you're going to be going into courtrooms. I don't know if that's part of the, the the field of law you want to get into, but that would certainly be part of it. It could be, but there's something different with being on a stage. That is tr- a for different. sure, for sure. There's not too many stand-up comedian lawyers who are uh, who are doing their stand-up routine while in front of a jury. Tony, what about you? I mean, when you're thinking about what you want to do, is it because just because that's what you love, or is it much more practical? Saying I got to choose something that's going to give me a job down the road. Yeah, I think um, just like Nicole, I do like analyzing things, making sure that I'm doing something that I both enjoy and that will, you know, put food on the table. But 
At the same time, I don't really know what I want to do. I don't have much of an idea yet. And my parents, I mean, I have to give a shout out to them. They're very, very supportive people. But I think I'm a little bit too supportive. Like, what does um, that mean? <laughs> as in, do whatever you want. Anything whatever's... I want to do. Okay. They're they're open to it. And sometimes I just feel like it'd be so nice if they could just be like Tony, go to medical school. Just go go to medical school. Be a doctor. Be a lawyer. Or whatever. But they've never said that to me. They've let me kind of do whatever I want to do. So. Um, I, I do a lot of like filmmaking and stuff. That's something I'm thinking of going into in the future, but also medical school is a possibility. Teaching, I've been inspired by a lot of my teachers in high school. I have no idea, to be honest. But I wonder too, and I said this a moment ago, you guys are three very, well, you guys, you girls, are very successful in school. You've done exceptionally well, but I'm wondering how much do you hear from other people in school? Like, is this a topic that is discussed around school a lot about what's going to be down the road and what jobs are going to be. Does this ever come up? Is this something that people ever talk about? Or do you keep it, does everyone keep it to themselves what their fears or their challenges are? I definitely think it's something that we talk about just because it's such a big part of our lives. And it's not an everyday conversation, but when you were applying for university, people were like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Because they want to leave high school, they feel like they're ready to leave, but they don't really know the why. Why am I going into this program? Ryan, one of the things that really... Now, when I went to high school, and some people listening will remember this, some people won't, but when I went to high school, we had grade 13 still. And I really think that we messed up by dropping grade 13. And the reason is, for the stuff that you're doing, you had to... In order to have the courses in grade 12 to get you into college or university, you had to take some prerequisites in grade 11, which mean you really had to start deciding by about grade 10 what you were going to be doing. That's a, that's a, 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 I would think that's pretty tough to do. I mean, it was impossible when I was in school. How do you, in grade 10, now you love computers, but were many of the people in grade 10 in your school saying, I know exactly what I want to do for a living. I'm good to go. I know, I know what path I'm going to take. Uh, I doubt many people were because people even, I think, in grade 12 were still deciding what they really wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was uh, ba- like not a good idea to get rid of grade 13. Like Now you even see more and more people coming back to grade 13, mm. even though it's not required. So I think maybe in the future they may want to consider adding it back if more and more kids decide that they don't know what they want to do and more and more kids start coming back to get courses in order to get into a program that they want to do. Would Do you think a lot of people would complain if grade 13 was brought back? Because you know what? The government, the province looks at it and goes, well, that's a lot of money. That's an extra year of school we have to pay for. So I understand why they don't want to do it. And some parents go, oh, sure, we can get our kids moving along. What about you guys? Would you guys be in favor of grade 13 if it was brought back? I think if I wasn't already graduated, I would be because I would just think of it like I think kids are now like, just want to get rid of grade 12 because they know they'll done high school. But if grade 13 was brought back, I think they would just have the same thing. They just want to get rid of high school and they wouldn't care that there's an extra year because they would build that into their minds that, oh, it's just five years instead of four years. I think if you don't start high school and they bring back grade 13, I'd be in favor of it. But I think if I was already in high school, I don't know if I'd be in favor of it because then I would have to go an extra year, but I would probably already want to get out of high school by that point. Nicole, what do you think? Would people complain or would they be like, no, this actually is good. That gives us a little time. When you're so used to there only being four years and you're set on four years, like even on TV, it's the best four years of your life. It's just ingrained in us. It'd be so hard to transition to five. And so many people already do make the choice to come back. And maybe we should leave it that way. That way it's a personal choice. 
if you need to come back and redo some courses, pick some new ones, you have that option. But if you're ready to go, what's the point of wasting another year? Yeah, Tony, I just, I, I look at it and I think, again, if you have to start thinking in grade 10, what you're going to do with your life, that, uh, I'm trying to think what I was doing in grade 10 and it was nothing useful. And to be able to plan, if I had had to plan out how my career was going to go, thankfully it sort of fell into place for me. But if I had had to say, here's exactly what I'm going to do, and I had to do that in grade 10, uh, it would have been something stupid I would have ended up doing. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as for grade 13, I can't speak for anyone else. I do agree that it'd be really hard to make the change now that it's already ingrained in what we think of high school as, but... Just speaking for myself, I feel like grade 13 would have been very helpful. I found myself a lot of times thinking, you know, if I just had an extra year, I could have spaced things out more. Now, it's true that you're kind of expected to choose in grade 10, uh, in a sense, just because of the prerequisites. But at the same time, um, I mean, I still don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And I spent most of grade 10 just doing everything like trying different courses and stuff, like taking media arts. Mm -hmm. Um, Early on, that's how I found out I really liked filmmaking. Um, Like I took computer science as well. I was no good at that. So I knew that that that's why we have Ryan. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So I think that one thing that you got to remember is that it's never too late to change what you want to do. So people always get worried, like, I have to decide now in grade 10. And then in grade 12, oh, I have to decide now. Or they're going to go declare their major. And it's like, this is when I decide. I have to decide now. But the reality of the situation is you can transfer schools in university. You can change your major a year or two in. Um, Even after you're done school, you can go back to school. Like um, I was talking to a lot of teachers. A lot of them weren't teachers their uh, their whole lives. You know, they were studying medicine or something else or they were you know, like musicians or something, and then they they decided to go into teaching. So it's never too late to change what you want to do. So, so well, you're saying that maybe we have three future teachers all sitting here. Maybe, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> Possibly. Ryan, you're not saying a word on that one. You're, you're <laughs> no. saying, teachers, no, I've had enough of you. We're out of here. Maybe. It really depends on how <laughs> I feel in the future. Like if I maybe start getting bored, maybe, oh, I want to teach. <laughs> if I wanna, There's nothing else to do. I might I as well teach. teach this rather than actually do yes. it my whole life, I may think, oh, maybe I want to teach this to other kids and get them inspired to do this rather than do it myself. We will take a quick break here on the Scott Radley Show. Stick around. Back right after this. Stay with us. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, You know what? Let's stick with school for one more segment here because um, there is something we've talked about with the quote, quote, experts a few times on this show the last number of weeks because it's been an issue. There was a series in The Spectator about math scores and everything else. There was a lot of talk about whether EQAO and whether standardized testing and everything is helpful and whether it does anything to make school better or help teachers. Ryan, I'll start at your end this time. Do you think, I mean, first of all, you had to take EQAO how many times in your life? Uh, Three? Three, yeah. Three. Uh, Brilliant experience or complete waste of time in your your opinion? What would you think about it? I think it honestly is starting to become a waste of time because it doesn't even affect you. It really just affects your school and they say, oh, these kids don't know math make the teachers teach the math better, but that might not be true. Everyone tests differently. Some people are visual, some are audio learners. So doing standardized testing does not help determine whether people are actually learning what they should be learning and are getting the right knowledge. And I'm saying that with the three of you in this room, they probably made sure you guys were all at school that day because you're going to drive up the EQAO scores, right? (laughs) But 
Nicole, does it? Do you get a sense that it's really necessary? That it's helping? That it's doing anything good? Absolutely not. It's a waste of paper. Why? First of all, Why? it's a giant waste of paper. <laughs> like we need to save the environment, you guys. And each teacher, just like Ryan was saying, teaches differently, and the tests are different. Even though there is a standard they should teach to, each teacher addresses that differently. And the time we spend preparing for these standardized tests could be spent to more learning, could be spent with more, could be spent spending more one-on-one time with each student to make sure that they understand the lesson. Okay, and you say the time spent on this. Now, the, the, the theory behind this is that teachers are not supposed to be teaching to the test. They're supposed to be teaching you the math curriculum, which then you can apply to the EQAO test. But did you find or have you found, do the teachers spend a lot of time making sure you know what's going to be on that test? I think teachers definitely maybe stress a little what's going to be on the test a little more just because it is made to be this huge important thing and obviously they do want you to succeed. So sometimes they will have to take extra time making sure everyone understands just these particular concepts instead of other ones. Tony, I mean obviously you have great marks so you probably would know but I mean I'm, I'm, you would have done well on these things. Uh-huh. But when you look around the class, and not everybody is great at math, right? I mean, we, I, I was horrible at math. I, in school, math was my thing that I was not good at. So if I had to do this, or regular math, I, I'm bringing the numbers down. But when the tests are done, here's the other knock against the EQAO or against standardized testing. When the tests are done, do the teachers spend a lot of time then? Or do they have time to go back and spend a lot of time with the students that didn't do as well? Or do you just have to keep moving forward and moving forward? Does it, does it, does, in other words, does it work as a barometer to say, John needs more help, Stan needs more help, Sally needs more help, or is it just, okay, we're done, let's move along? I don't think so. I mean, um, I mean, standardized testing is a contentious issue, to say the least. But, like, the EQAO results, we don't get them back until months later yeah how can they help um, a student they don't know struggling by the time you get your results back it's the semester's over the years over um i don't have very strong feelings about eqao either way but i will say that i haven't thought about it in the past two three years um i completely forgot about it up until this moment and the only thing i can remember from it is getting like free snacks we got <laughs> juice, like <laughs> juice like boxes bars. yeah granola bars and that's that's about all i remember from it so its usefulness is arguable, to say the least. Well, let me ask you this. Any of you from your schools, I'll ask each of you from your school, the test that you, if, and right, or Tony, you're saying you don't even remember it very well, but the, the questions that you had to do on EQAO for math, let's say, how similar were they to what you then had to do on your exams? Was it the same stuff or was it vastly different from what you had to then do on your school exams? Ryan, do you remember if it was close or if it was completely different? I think it was a bit of both because obviously it is going to be a bit different because I think the exam was mostly stuff I learned later in the year because that's what they normally do on exams. They normally focus on stuff you learn later and focus on less focus on stuff you've learned earlier. So I think EQAO is more of the stuff I learned earlier and more common knowledge while the exam was more later knowledge and newer stuff that I hadn't learned before. So if you say that it's months before you get this back, how do you help a student from your perspective then who didn't do well on it? Or is there any way? There's no way. Well, I mean, unless... I'm not you. I mean, a teacher. If a teacher... Teachers know. First of all, let's back up. Teachers know who in their class still is not doing well in a certain course, right? Mm -hmm. Who's struggling. Is there any reason to think that's changed? 
Teachers know. If you're bad in math, teacher knows you're yeah. bad in math. If you're yeah. bad in English, teacher knows you're bad in English. And so you should not, tell me if I'm wrong, you should not need an EQAO test to a, to alert the teacher to your struggles. Yeah, I think it's more for the board. It's kind of like their way of having well, their hand on the pulse. Well, why can't the board just check our report cards? I'm sure they have access to them. They mm-hmm. can check all the marks in math then instead of doing this huge test. Because that's a, see Nicole, that's a great point that I've always wondered about. Is if you're going to have standardized tests, and then if we're going to have essentially standardized university admittance, right? Because Tony, you went to a different school from Nicole, who went to a different school from Ryan. Let's say you had all applied to the same university for the same course. If I'm the person who's taking those marks, well, you, Tony, your teacher may have marked. I'm not saying they did. May have marked easier than Ryan's. Yeah. So how mm-hmm. do I then, so if we're going to do the EQAL, why not make it, that's your exam. And we're going to count that. And so then every university has a standardized thing that they can look at and say, okay, Nicole did better than Ryan or Ryan did better than Tony or whoever. But the EQAO happens in grade nine and the OSSLT, which is the literacy exam, happens in grade 10. And they're focusing on your grade 12, maybe your grade 11 marks. I don't think they should be looking at your grade nine marks. And I'm suggesting that's fine. Let's if we're if standardized testing is really helpful, let's stretch it right across. If it's because uh, again, if it, if it's if this is something that is really helpful to understand, why do we not want to do it every year? Why not make sure that everyone is caught up every single year? I tell what. What do you think about that? What would you say if they said we're going to make this so that every year to make sure kids don't fall behind and we have schools that we know what they're doing? We're going to have standardized testing every year. Well, that's the thing. If they want to do standardized testing, it should they should commit to it. Right now, it's kind of in this little gray area where they're kind of doing it, but kind of not. Um, I personally don't think standardized testing is that valuable because, again, people learn differently. There's different subjects that make it a lot harder to standardize the testing, stuff like English or more creative things, um, you know, more artistic courses. Um, I mean, math is something... That's probably the easiest to standardize because numbers are numbers. But everything else, I, I don't know if it's that valuable. What was? Do you remember? Does anyone remember what was on the? So you have math EQAO. What else do you have for EQAO? Do you have an English EQAO? We have an OSSLT. Okay. Do you remember any? What, what kind of stuff was on that? What was oh. the standardized stuff that you were supposed to there know? There was. I know one of the things that I don't understand. And my teacher didn't even understand why I was on it. Was you had to write a newspaper article based on like. Now, see, that shows genius, <laughs> right? Uh, sorry, I uh, just snapped into my newspaper side of me there. I mean, no, I'm kidding. But no, that's, for most people, that would not be something you would normally do in your everyday life. Yeah, because unless you're going into journalism, you don't really need to know how to write a newspaper article. There's also essays, but yeah, you need to know how to write essays. But unless you're going into journalism, you rarely will have to know how to write a newspaper article. So that's just a part of your life and a waste of time that you most likely will never use <laughs> well, ever again. It's not, I mean, unless you're going into my line of work, that's true. Well, I, I do think the, well, that's the OSSLT, the literacy test. Um, whether or not the literacy test in general is valuable, that can be debated. But I think within the literacy test, the newspaper is fair game. I mean, it's probably even people who don't necessarily crack open books, still read the newspaper. So I feel like getting you to write a newspaper article isn't a bad way to um, take a look at how literate you are. But See, unless, uh, Nicole, unless you're doing basic like reading test, spelling test, a simple writing, I, I don't understand how you do a standardized test about English, about creative writing. Creative, the whole, uh, Tony's right. The whole idea of creative writing is 
there's really no wrong answer to it. Some are better than others, but who decides that? So that's a really tough thing to say. We're going to have a standardized test to see who's creative. (laughs) You you don't. The answer is you don't, I guess. Like, there there is no way to standardize it, right? Go to an art gallery and tell me which is the (laughs) best painting. It's so subjective. That's exactly right. It's so subjective. Yeah, go to an art gallery and tell me that painting, not, not as my favorite, that is the best painting. And then explain to me why that's better than the other one. Well, you can't. At least, I don't think you can. Just definitely not. And then I think something a lot of people tend to forget is that there's different levels of, like, learning within each class. Like, there's an academic class. There's an applied class. There's a locally developed class. And sometimes there's different classes for students with different needs. If they don't have English as their first language... So I don't See, know when skew things too. so many differences. How do you standardize something for that many different people? No kidding. That was so, yeah. Ryan, do you have at your school at Sherwood, are there a lot of English as a not first language students? Are there many or is, there, is it not that many at your school? Uh, I don't think there's that many, but my school has slowly started to integrate French immersion because okay. the school I originally had it closed. So that... I think they have a different program, though, but I uh, personally, I don't know that many people that have English as a second language, but there may be. I, like, I don't know, obviously, everyone in my entire school. Of course, but that would be, again, you now have a, a standardized test for English, for understanding, for literacy, and you have people who, in, who are going to have to take that who don't speak English as their first language. Imagine if, if you, if me, if we move to Budapest... All right. Or, or, you know, Bulgaria. I moved to Bulgaria and now and a year later I have to take a literacy test in Bulgarian and I'm struggling to get by. I'm probably not going to show very well on that test. And then the school's marks are going to look bad and they're going to say, you're not teaching it correctly. Well, maybe you're teaching it great. Like, I don't know what the... What do the other students... I mean, when when the EQAO or when the standardized testing, when you take those... Is it a joyous time around school, or is everyone grumbling? <laughs> I take that as a no. Well, what's, what's the general consensus when that time comes? Is everyone saying, this is just a great day to blow off, and because they don't count, I don't really care? People don't seem to care that much just because it doesn't count, but it's definitely more somber. It's almost as if someone died, you know? Like do they people study? Are... Do, people, do you think people go home and no. study to prepare? No. I know at Cathedral in grade 9... Part of our EQAO might have gone towards our exam mark, but just mm. the multiple choice because that's on Scantron, so they can mm-hmm. mark that quicker. Okay. We didn't get the written responses until much later. No, but if 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 you're not studying for this, if you don't really care about it because it doesn't even add to your marks, is that even another? Is that a fair thing to then gauge whether teachers are doing a good job or whether you guys, the big you, are doing well? There's a lot. See, there's a lot of things about this that I look at and I go, I can see Mm -hmm. some benefits to it. But talking to you, there's a lot of things that I say this, maybe some people who are making the decisions might want to actually talk to the people doing this a little more. I mean, personally, I, again, I think everyone in this panel agrees that standardized testing is probably not the best tool. We're not the biggest fans of it, it seems. But just to play devil's advocate, one of the things for standardized testing is, uh, Well, it's what it sounds like. It's just standardizing everything. Because Ontario doesn't have standardized testing, and I believe other provinces do, um, it's pretty well documented that Ontario has pretty severe grade inflation. 
Mm. In fact, other like schools from other provinces, like I, I don't know if this is true, but I hear admissions officers from McGill, for example, will take a good five to ten percent off your mark if you're coming from Ontario, because they know the grades from there are so much higher. But see, I go back to my point that let's dump the EQAO idea. And let's say, you know what, in every grade, we are going to have a standardized exam that everyone in Ontario is going to do. Now, because you may have read a different novel in English, we're going to take out To Kill a Mockingbird and put in whatever it is that you read. But let's have it right across the board so we know. That would seem to me to make a lot more sense than some sort of random thing when you're in grade 10. I do agree that that would make a lot more sense. But it would still be complicated to do. Yes, it would. Teachers, even though they are teaching the curriculum, they do all go about it in different ways, especially in English. It's so subjective. Marking is subjective. They try to have a perfect grading scheme that transitions from teacher to teacher. But it's impossible. Mm -hmm. It's, It's impossible. Ryan, I think, just as I'm sitting here, I think I now know what program you can do. What app you can build. You can build the EQAO app that can be devised. Like just everyone, all teachers can plug this in. Standardized testing for grade 12 and 11 and write down. There's there's your first million dollar idea right there. He's silent. He's thinking, I don't want anything to do with EQAO anymore. I'm done with that. I don't even want to write a program for it. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Ryan Clark from Sherwood, Nicole Graziano from Cathedral, and Tony Wong from Westdale. Three valedictorians in making up the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio today. We'd like to do this at the end of the school year, bring in some of the bright, bright, bright students. And these guys, oh boy, they qualify. Um, So, of course, let's talk about something completely stupid. Did you guys see the picture of Serena Williams this week that she had on the cover of, was it Vanity Fair, some magazine? I did. Serena Williams, uh, nude and pregnant, covering the essential parts, but um, hanging out there to show off her baby bump and whatever else. And what I don't understand, and maybe one of you guys can help me, because you guys are from the, I'm not saying you guys are always doing this, but you guys are from the selfie generation. Why do celebrities feel the need to show themselves in ways that probably most of us wouldn't do it? What 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 is it about? Why would Serena, I can't put herself necessarily into her head, but why do celebrities feel the need to do this stuff? Why do, do people at your school, do, first of all, before we get to Serena, when you're at school, do you ever see a picture that someone posts on social media and you ever say, what were you thinking for posting that? Would you ever see another student who did that? The odd time. Yeah. yeah. So not too often. Not too often? I mean, it's not uncommon. (laughs) Uh, But I think the thing we have to remember is that people do... I have to choose my words carefully here. People do dumb things. Of course. Even adults do. The thing about... older adults. But especially when you're, you know, our age, the problem is uh, our generation compared to previous generations is not that we're doing more dumb things or less dumb things. It's that our dumb things are being immortalized and Perfect. broadcast. 100% right. Yeah. They don't go away. Nope. All right. When I, I can tell you, uh, we could be here for hours and I could tell you some dumb things that me and my friends did, mm-hmm. my friends and I did, but they are not digitally preserved on the internet forever and ever. I'm sure we've all done something dumb once. But do you think, Ryan, do you think people who are in high school now or, you know, 
even a little bit older, do you think people understand what Tony just said, that what you do, if you do something stupid on the internet or on social media, that it doesn't go away? Do you think people get that? Does that does that register with people, do you think? I think most people do, and a lot of people just do it even for, like, attention. Like, if you do something obviously dumb, it's more than likely going to go viral, and then obviously you're going to get a lot of attention. So I think a lot of people do it just to get attention. I agree. But I can't believe that someone would do something really stupid knowing that it's going to be around forever and could affect you getting a job or it could affect you if you were thinking it through, right? I know or do they? a lot of times it is like attention. I mean, like we are human beings. We are wired to want attention. But I think a lot of times it's just apathy. Like they just don't care. And at the end of the day, it's their choice whether to care or not. And if they decide that they're not going to care and they're going to face the repercussions, then that's their decision. So when you see a celebrity who decides they want to pose, and again, Serena Williams, the portrait that was on the cover of the magazine, it wasn't obscene. It was, she's nude, but you don't see anything. It's a side view with her with a big baby bump. But is that just a, what do you think came first then? Is, Is that a response to the fact that everybody is on social media doing pictures to get attention? Or are people on social media doing these things because celebrities do these kind of things? What do you think? Well, I definitely think when we're talking about dumb things on social media, we're not talking about a photo that, even though it is a little iffy, it's not, like you said, it's not obscene. I guess it is more in a classy light, (laughs) if you can say that. So I definitely think the intentions are different behind it. But do you think that, so the people, Tony, the people in your school, if they would do something, how much do you think people are driven by seeing a celebrity do something? And how much is it that you think, and I don't know how to answer this, but or do you think that celebrities are looking at social media saying, well, this is how I get attention then because everyone's doing this. Is it the chicken or the egg? That is a tough question. I, I, I'm not sure because, you know, people talk about how much responsibility do these celebrities have? Like, is it their responsibility to be a good role model um, if they know that they have young, impressionable fans? Um, I think maybe to an extent, but at the end of the day, it is the parents' responsibility, uh, responsibility. it's the kids' responsibility. Um, you know, artists shouldn't necessarily be censoring themselves just because they know that some kids might be watching. Uh, it's not their fault that the kids are watching. Um, I haven't seen the Serena Williams cover, so I don't know if it was uh, more artistic. Was yeah, it no, like, it was definitely it was definitely it was for, artistic. It was because uh, could it be like something to do with empowerment? Like I'm not sure about what it was. Like I definitely body think positivity. she was going for more of like an empowerment. She's like a strong female icon and now she's pregnant and she wanted to display that. I definitely wouldn't go about it in the (laughs) same way, but I'm not some famous, popular, strong female icon. Give it time. (laughs) (laughs) But I I look at this, Ryan, and I just, I wonder why, again, I wonder if it's the chicken or the egg. I wonder if people do things on social media because they've seen celebrities do it or if, celebrities do stuff because they realize I look around social media and I see a lot of people doing that. If I want to get attention, here's a great way to do it. If I'm a celebrity and I want people to notice me, here's a great way to do it. I even think it's more if people follow celebrities because now you see all these challenges that people do that are based around different celebrities names. So I think if like, I think it was recently it was like called the Nicki Minaj challenge or something that all these people are posting online. I don't even know what that is. But people (laughs) do all these things that celebrities do to garner attention. 
It is it is about attention, though. I think I think you're absolutely right. And we got to go to a break. We got to our last break of this hour. But it, is it hard? Do you get that sense a lot that a lot of people are desperate in high school be, just because of the way things are still? Because it's always been that way. You want to be noticed. You want to get attention. Is that still the way it is? If you want to be noticed, you do something to stand out from the crowd. And sometimes may not be the brightest idea, but it'll get you noticed. What do you think? Um, I think that adolescence. Uh like scientifically we it's it's proven that in your adolescent years you your brain is more focused on social things like you're way more aware of how you appear to others mm. how you perceive others um so you know adults looking at the behavior of adolescents um they have a kind of subtlety that w- people our age might not have yet and to no fault of our own either it's no it's the, brain development yeah, that mm-hmm. hasn't yeah you're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred CHML. With the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio, before we send you off to your weekend, and it is really, legitimately, the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio this evening. We have three of the exceptional. There's a lot of other really good valedictorians from the city, but three of the exceptional high school valedictorians from schools around town. Ryan Clark, valedictorian from Sherwood who is heading to Mohawk in the fall to take computer systems technology software development. Nicole Graziano, who is heading off to, well, she was from Cathedral, by the way, and is heading to McMaster and to take social science and eventually probably on to law school. And Tony Wong from Westdale, who will be going to McGill to study cognitive science in the arts and science program. And he's going to hate me, but I'm going to have to mention again. He got 100% this year. In school, 100%. Sorry, I'm, I'm completely locked up on that one, Tony. I can't uh, I can't get my brain past the 100%. That is just an... I, I can't fathom that kind of achievement. Neither can I. I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, you obviously worked hard and you um, you put in the effort. We were talking during the commercial break. What was that line that your teacher said, Nicole, about, uh, oh, about uh, hard work? Mr. LaRue always says, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. See, I should get that Im- like embossed into a plaque over my <laughs> desk. On those days when you're sort of feeling like I don't really want to do it, that's that's a great, that's a great line. That's a great line. And that, but it's absolutely true. You guys are here because you're bright, but also because you worked really hard, and a lot of other people did too. Next year, tomorrow's July first, hundred fiftieth. Next year, on July first, do you remember? Do you know what is uh, supposed to be happening next year on July first? Canada's 151st <laughs> That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. And that is why you were a valedictorian and among the leaders of your school. But there's something else that's going to happen next year. Uh, they plan to legalize marijuana. They do. And this is my question for you guys. I'm not asking you because, you know, people are listening, possible employers. I'm not asking you whether you're in favor of legalizing marijuana or not in favor of legalizing marijuana. You can tell me if you want, but I'm not going to put you on the spot for that one. Here's my question, though. Is Is July 1st the right time to be doing something like that? And the reason I ask is because I really believe that whatever day they finally do this will essentially become known as that day. It'll become a holiday. Everyone will be out, well, who wants to, will be taking that opportunity to use that as the day to celebrate pot day, kind of. It'll be, instead of Canada, it'll be cannabis day. (laughs) Would it, to me, it makes a lot of sense to say, you know what, if you're going to do it, just do it on a different day so it doesn't take away from what Canada Day is really supposed to be about. 
What do you think? I thought there was already a day for it. Well, there, there in, in April, maybe. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, I I heard that it was happening next year, but I was under the impression it was happening on April twentieth. But is, it's happening on July first. Well, they're that saying that they're saying July first is is likely going to be the day it's passed. It's going to be by that day, and possibly and probably on that day. They could change it up, and I hope they do. Yeah. I think they. I th- I hope they I, do. I definitely hope they do as well, because that's already Canada Day. It's not like this is a different country legalizing marijuana on that day. It's yeah. Canada legalizing marijuana on Canada Day. Do, I feel like they should know better. Do you think that it would change? That it would become that day? Do you think that that would over would sort of take over the celebrations in some ways, Nicole? Do you think that would become a big point of? I don't know that that that, can, that it would become a dual thing. We've got Canada Day and literally we've got I Cannabis Day. I definitely think it would. Just with like the growing popularity of marijuana, it will rival like Canada Day. And I actually wasn't aware that they were going to legalize it on Canada Day. I think that's a silly decision. I think it could be legalized any other day of the year. And bills get passed all the time. Uh, laws are made very frequently not too frequently but they happen often enough and we're not celebrating all of those by putting them on canada day well this i mean i think i don't know if there's a i'm not sure that it was set out to be on canada day but for the fact that they put a deadline of that day and that has become it but this was a main one of the main main one of the planks of justin trudeau's election campaign is we're going to legalize marijuana and so when they set a date this has become a thing, Ryan. What do you think? A good day to do it or any other day but Canada Day to do legalizing marijuana? I really think it should be any other day because Canada Day is meant to celebrate Canada and the history of our nation. I don't really think marijuana being legalized should be celebrated on that day because, like Nicole said, no other laws are celebrated on Canada other than maybe, like, the Constitution, but that's not really law. So I think maybe they should do it in April on the unofficial holiday. What a, I mean, you you guys go ahead. Um, I I just think that, but the other thing is, just because it's legalized on that day, doesn't mean necessarily that that'll be the day that people keep going back to. Especially because, you know, there is already a day that people. Oh, I think just... there'll be several days when they will embody <laughs> oh, and oh, celebrate. Yes. But uh-huh. anytime you have a major law that gets passed, mm-hmm. the anniversary of that becomes a significant moment. And so you will end, it, it will, I think it will distract, it will detract, it will take away attention. It'll become a conflicting or competing point of interest for people. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying put it any other day. Let's just stay away from major holidays. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like, let's just stay away from major holidays. It's not something small or minor that maybe only a small community celebrates. It's a nationwide celebration. And especially we're doing all this work this year to celebrate Canada Day, and I understand it is the 150th anniversary, but don't we want to keep that national pride going for the years to come? To keep it as the central and sole focus of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um, it, it's just probably not the best idea, and uh, if I can, a year from now, I mean, we'll see, but if I had to guess... I don't think it'll happen on that day. I, I, I have enough trust in our government that they probably have enough foresight to be like, maybe just move this a week or two to the left or right. You have enough trust in a government, do you? I mean, in any government? Uh, 
You're, not you're many a... governments. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. But I don't want to go into that for too too much. No, it's a but can of worms. W- Ryan, would you say this? Uh, we're talking obviously about because this is what's been going on about the idea of, of legalizing pot on that day. But would you say that it's just a pot thing, or would you say stay away from any major law change that's going to detract from Canada? Should Canada Day basically have the stage all to itself, or is that not a big deal? I think Canada Day should have the date all to itself, and you shouldn't do any major like world changing or maybe a, maybe a history changing law that does change something in our history because Canada is about history, but any other law that doesn't really change anything that's happened before, I think you just stay away from laws on any holidays and just do it on days that don't have anything major going on. We're going to put you guys on the spot a little bit. I'm not, again, I'm not going to ask you your opinion on this, but is is the idea of legalizing pot a big deal in high school? Is it a big topic of conversation in high school, or is it not really? Not really. No? I, I don't think it's too big of a topic of conversation, but also because I feel like the fear surrounding marijuana is definitely not what it used to be either. It's not like they're mar- uh, they're legalizing like a hard drug or something. It, to a lot of people, it's quote-unquote just marijuana. It's not a big deal anymore. So there's not, it's not a, a, a huge topic of discussion around school? No, I don't hear many people talking about it. What is the thing that is uh, such a broad question? It could be anything, but what is the thing that gets talked about? What's what's the, the what are the main topics that come up? Is it is it again? We were talking about celebrities. More is it celebrity stuff? Is it the economy? What, what what are the things? If you just happen to bump into someone or you're walking in the middle of a conversation these days, what are the things that are the topics that people are talking about at school? Is there are there things that come off the like to the top of your head that you can think of, or is it anything? I think it's just really broad depending on like which group of people you're talking to. I mean, obviously there's like certain things that exist for everyone like post-secondary education, funding post-secondary education, getting in like OSAP. But then there's just other things like certain people will be more inclined to just talk about what's going on in the school. Maybe that'll take on like a form of gossiping or maybe you're just chatting. Other people want to talk about some new meme on the internet, like fidget spinners. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a week old. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Wait, a month. But that's, a, you know, that's another thing is it the, 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 um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Topics, they move fast now, right? Our attention span on stuff is pretty quick. Mm-hmm. That's, is that, is that the same? I mean, when I was at school, something could last. I mean, this again, I'm going back a ways now. I'm, I'm, I'm older than you guys. Things could last for a while. You got to keep up pretty fast. Ferris Bueller, you got to keep up. Things move pretty quickly. I just think there's so much information all the time and there's a new topic every day. Yes. And something's trending every day. And even if it's not necessarily trending on Twitter or on another social media site, it's just something that's a trending topic within the group of friends and then it changes. And that doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean our attention spans are shorter. Just there's so much more to focus our attention on. I think all that stuff has, maybe I'm just speaking about myself, but I think all that has led to my attention span being shorter. I mean, people criticize our generation about a lot of things, you know, being entitled, um, self-absorbed, you know, the selfie generation, the me generation. I will defend our generation when it comes to those things. I, I don't believe a lot of that is true. One criticism that I think is very true is um, our attention span is not very great, at least mine. I don't want to speak for everyone in my generation, but uh, I think all this information, all this you know, constant need for instant feedback is 
taking a toll on uh, our attention span. But see, I would argue that uh, I wouldn't say that's just a problem with your generation. I think it's it's everybody now. We have Ryan. We've built a, a an entertainment, a social media, TV, or whatever. Every, everything is get in, get out, get on with it. I mean, it's fast, fast, fast. You, you, Twitter's 140 characters. We don't like to read a lot now, at least not long things. We don't want to watch a long. Bunch. Of, it, it, we want to be entertained quickly and get out. Is, am I right? Yeah, I think you're right. Because like now you see with like streaming services, they put out like a whole season of a show all at the same time. So people just watch it and get it over with, rather than prolong it like once a week. So I think our intention is for and like certain apps they have like or social media they have like four second videos. Like I think Vine, which I don't think exists anymore, it was like very very short videos because people have a short attention they just want to watch something get over with and move on I, I I could tell you that and again I'm not your generation I'm older than you guys I'm many people listening are we were watching on our TV we opened up YouTube to watch something and it took like I don't know 10 seconds for the video to load and I'm like come on hurry <laughs> up and it's like can you think about this for a second I am downloading a movie out of thin air that is coming onto my television in high definition, on demand, and I'm 10 seconds in and I'm losing my mind because this is taking too long. It's like when you're in the drive-thru at McDonald's and your food, they are cooking your food. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I have been sitting here now for two minutes. Would you please hurry up? <laughs> yeah. I think everyone has this problem now. Yeah. We, we're impatient. We want things immediately. I don't think it's just you guys. I agree. It's like if a video doesn't load in five seconds, you click away from <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. And like Louis C.K. has a bit where he's like, you know, um, people complaining about like their text loading. Like your text is going to space, <laughs> to a satellite, <laughs> coming down back from space onto your, you know, magical phone device. And you're complaining that it's taking too long or that you're bored, you know? I'm glad to know that Louis C.K. and I are thinking along the same <laughs> lines. He's a smart yeah. guy. But, no, it's it, it really is amazing to think that we are this impatient that we would, you know, and, and you talk about the on your videos now, it'll say this video will load in five seconds. And you can then, and has anyone ever watched one of those things? And then when it says you can skip, has anyone ever not hit skip? My fingers always tapping the button. I, I don't like, think anyone's ever going, you know, I think I'm going to watch the rest of this commercial. <laughs> this is fascinating. Well, sometimes if it's really, like, heartfelt and there's, like, puppies. Oh, there's puppies. <laughs> <laughs> puppies is the secret to our, our attention span. Marketing teams take note. Throw in puppies and kittens, yes. And uh, But if you have one of those commercials, though, so you've got the ones that go five seconds. And then you can hit skip it. And everybody hits skip it. Mm -hmm. But if you have one of those that says your video will play after this commercial, and now you look at that line going across the bottom, and it's going to be 30 seconds. Like, wait a second. I know I'm about to watch a movie that just won 15 Academy Awards, but I don't know if I can wait 30 seconds for this. This is a long wait. This is really, like, awful of me, but it just kind of comments on, like, how short our attention spans are maybe. If I'm watching something on my computer and there is an ad that I cannot skip... I will pull out my phone. I'll only have time to put in the password and look at the apps, but I'd still rather do that than actively wait for something. How many of you, uh, I was going to say by show of hands, but that would essentially be pretty useless on the radio. (laughs) Um, How many of you, when you're watching TV, first of all, do you guys still watch TV? Because a lot of people will say your generation doesn't watch TV. Do you guys watch TV? Uh, like cable TV? Yeah, like, like regular no. broadcast TV. You don't watch no, TV? No, we don't have it in our home anymore. Maybe like 
a few times a week. Okay. I do, but yeah, only a few shows. I don't watch like a lot of shows. Okay. And you guys got rid of it because your parents said, no, this is mind numbing or just because nobody no was watching it. it? No one okay. watched it. Yeah. So what do you watch? We got Netflix. Okay. We have YouTube. We have, you know. Things you can yeah. on demand. The internet. Yeah, the internet. <laughs> the so internet. stuff you can watch on, on, yeah. on demand, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and when you do, do you, okay, this is what I was going to ask. When you're watching something, you've got something on the screen, you're watching TV. I got thrown off because I, it got so stunning that none of you guys are actually watching TV. It <laughs> threw my brain there for a second. When you're watching something on the set, how many of you also are working your phone or your tablet or something else simultaneously? Do you ever, when was the last time that you would watch, say, a two-hour movie and not be doing something also with a phone or tablet or something else? Um, Often? Actually, not really, because I'm I'm a big like film buff. I like watching movies. So right. like, if, if I'm watching a TV show, a movie, I'm there. Like, I'm I'm, I'm not doing anything else. But I will say, like, when I'm playing video games or something, I'll have a podcast going. I'll have like you know something else to listen to. I'll be multitasking. Yeah. So so for sure, um, movies aside, I'll be doing a lot of stuff at once when it comes to media. See, I even do that now. Yeah. I'll be checking emails and I'll be playing Candy Crush and I'll be doing whatever else. If the show gets slow, it's like, oh, I'll do I'll have a Candy Crush here. Just catch up. Uh, I find when I'm watching TV, I'm a lot more prone to just go on my phone, check my phone, especially because there's commercial breaks. And I'm not just going to sit there and watch a commercial. Who's going to watch a commercial? Pur- Purina, like Dog <laughs> Chow. <laughs> but there's puppies. Yeah, but it's not the same. <laughs> Screen's bigger. Ryan, does this apply, though? So if we have such a short attention span that we won't watch a full TV show or we'll not watch a commercial, what happens in school? Do I people do people all grab their phones or when teachers are teaching, or do they not do that anymore? People always have their phones out because, like, every day in class you'd hear the teachers say, put your phone away, put your phone away, or take their phones away. But people... And people even do it, but like when we're, we'll all be going off to college or university in the fall, and they won't be doing that. So I think it's more prone in college oh, university that people don't pay attention. The, the people don't pay attention, or they will pay yeah, attention. They don't pay attention because everyone brings their computers to lecture halls, and they're just on their computer. They don't aren't actually listening to the professor. I'm terrified to think what would have happened in my university first year economics course. If, because I did not love first year economics, if I had had the option of a computer there with a Netflix option, I would never have listened to a single lecture. I hate to admit it. I would have burned through the entire Netflix catalog before I listened to a lecture. I just don't know if there's really like a correlation between like the TV, watching TV and being on your phone and then in class and being on your phone. Because when I'm watching TV, if I really want to watch it, I will focus on it, and if I miss it, I'll just watch it online. But in class, I care about it. I care about school. I care about my marks, so I'm focused. I'm present. And see, that's why you're here. That's why you're a valedictorian, because you did that. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. By request, some Arkells, by request of the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio. We've got a lot of Arkells fans. Tony Wong, Nicole Graziano. And Ryan Clark from Sherwood Cathedral and Westdale. Uh, Guys, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if this matters to you, which is kind of why I'm asking. But Prince Charles and Camilla Parker Bowles, we should do this in a British accent now, the future monarch, are visiting Canada this week. 
do you guys care about the monarchy? Does the monarchy matter to you guys at all? Are you guys qu- like Queen fans? I don't mean Freddie Mercury. I mean like the Queen. Do you guys? Does it make? Is it a big deal to you guys, or are you ambivalent towards it? What do you think? It's not a huge deal. It's not something I don't think any of us think about often. Because once upon a time, if the Queen or the future King or the future monarch was here, this would have been enormous. I but do think. Like, just the entire idea of having a monarchy still has kind of outgrown its use and outgrown its time. I think all government officials should be elected. They're, like, we live in a democracy, so I don't know why we're supporting a monarchy. And I'm not trying to talk down the royal family. I'm sure they're all lovely people. And I understand the years and years of history that Canada has with the monarchy. And I understand our need to preserve that. But I don't think we should necessarily preserve that by still having the monarchy as a part of our system. All right. Ryan, what do you think? Are you a monarch? Are you a, a fan of the queen, of the, of the royal family? Do you, um, do you care about the royal family? Uh, I don't really say I'm a fan. I think they're more of like a symbolism now of our nation because I don't really know if they have any real power anymore. <coughs> Like, I know there's the, like, governor general that, like, represents the queen uh, or the royal family, but I don't really know if they have any power. I think it's more of, like, the symbolism of our nation and our history is what they're used for now. Sure. Would you, if they were to come to Hamilton, would you make a point of going out to see them? Or are they essentially just another celebrity, really? I don't know if I would make a point to going out to see them. Like, I did see... Like parts of the royal family when I went to the Vimy Ridge ceremony in Europe in April with my school. That's cool. So, like, yeah, like, so I saw them. I didn't really see them, like, in person, but I could see them on the screen up on the ridge. But I don't know if I'd make a point of going to see them because right now they are really celebrities. Like, in the past they weren't, but now they basically are celebrities. Is that, I mean, is, is Ryan right? Are they basically now just famous British celebrities as opposed to anything else to us? I mean, they don't really do anything of great importance. I'm not like saying, you know, they don't do anything, but like, no, n- it's not like they're making laws or making it like they're, they're just kind of there. Right. Nobody's dumping on them, but they're, but it, it, you're right. The, this is not the days when the queen could say off with his head. And suddenly, you know, you, that that's not what we're, yeah, they don't really with. hold much power. And so I, I can't honestly say they've ever been at the forefront of my mind until possibly this moment <laughs> but well it's glad that we can you know yeah. inject something new into your life <laughs> i mean they're cool but like that's about it like, if i, I had really... if i had said mm-hmm. if i had not said prince charles before i said camilla pocket bows would you have known who that was no no would have thought it was like an indie singer or something <laughs> <laughs> ryan would you have known who that was no and see she's gonna be well assuming everything changes she would be the future queen Mm -hmm. and we don't a lot of people obviously don't it it certainly is a different time I I mean I've watched some of the and again it's not a documentary but some of the Netflix series on the crown and you look and you see how important it you know it has been and it is in England and and I can remember when I was a little tiny kid growing up in Toronto and the queen came was coming by our house on one of the main streets by our house and the, the, the parade route was like five people deep on both sides of the road. This was the biggest thing ever that the queen was coming. And now, again, I think if she was to drive down Main Street, half the people would be like, who's that? Sorry, who's that in the car? If she wasn't wearing her crown. 
I'm not doubting that there'd be like a parade if they did sure, come of to Hamilton because even if they are like just celebrities now, like celebrities get lots of attention. But it's not a parade like, oh, this is the queen. It's more like, oh, this is a famous person. How would, what would the response, okay. First of all, I get the sense that the monarchy now is a little bit of an older person's thing for a, in many ways, not for everybody. There's probably, there's, I know there are a lot of young people who still are big into the queen, but tell me what the difference would be if you, if everyone at your school was being pulled into the gym for a secret surprise assembly. And then when you're all sitting there, they said, and our guest today is her majesty, the queen of England compared to if they said, and the secret guest today is Beyonce. What would the reaction be? What would the comparison and the reaction be? Or pick another celebrity. I don't know. What would the reaction be between the two of them? I, I'm the guessing queen, it would be. Queen B. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm guessing the reaction would be different the between the, the two. The music industry. It would be different though, right? I just think, like, music is such a big part of our lives. Like, there would be a bigger response. Maybe she can sing. We don't know. We've never heard the queen sing. Maybe queen. I'd love to hear the queen do queen. <laughs> we will, we will rock you. You know that'd be really awesome to hear her out there. To, but no, I don't. I don't anticipate she's going to be doing that anytime soon. But I'm just, I'm just interested that that there doesn't seem to be much of a sense of of a, 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 a need, a want, a love, a fascination, anything. Because that was maybe that last word is the one that I should use most. There was, and there has been for many, many years, a fascination with the monarchy, what happens behind the walls of Buckingham Palace. That doesn't sound like that exists now. Not for you guys. I just don't think it's really a big part of Canadian culture anymore. I mean, it's definitely a big part of Canadian history, but in the changing cultural landscape, it's kind of lost its place. It is, uh, it is definitely, yeah, it is definitely a different world. I, um, I don't know that I would be all that geeked up to, I mean, I, I know I wouldn't be all that geeked up to see Prince Charles these days. I don't, I really, I don't know. I don't even know if I'd be all that excited to see the queen. I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm like you guys, I'm not down on the queen. I don't go, Oh, get rid of her. But it's not that I just, it's, it's the, you know what it might be. We're maybe just so saturated with celebrity that she just fits in now that she's just another celebrity. I maybe mean, that's it. That's definitely, that could definitely be argued as true. But in the same sense, like, we just don't really see her purpose anymore. I'm like, she definitely plays a big role in England and good work. Keep it up. But just <laughs> over here. Yeah. What, what exactly does she do over there? She has corgis. She has corgis. Yeah. She, she queens. She queens yeah. very hard. Yes. She queens hard. I don't know what that is, but she queens. And that's, uh, you know, if you can get that job. You guys were saying you're looking for summer work. If you guys could get a job working as, you know, fill-in summertime queen. Yeah, email me. I'll send my resume. <laughs> you're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Got one thing left. we got Canada's birthday tomorrow. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to start with you on this one. You are going to be on the hot seat. The spotlight is shining brightly on you right now. Who is, in your mind, the greatest Canadian, past or present. I was going to say past, present, or future. If you can tell me the future <laughs> one, you are a bright man. But past or present, who is the greatest Canadian ever? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Pierre Trudeau. Are you? Yeah. Why? 
I think, well, I obviously wasn't alive when he was prime minister, but I know, like, everyone loved him, and he sort of reinvented politics, and I learned about him history, and he sort of made it more fun and was, like, more of a modern prime minister at the time and got more people engaged in politics that, were, that weren't originally. What about his kid? I think... <laughs> I think a long, telling silence. I think the young younger generation like our generation are more invested in him than the older generation but i think when pierre trudeau was prime minister like everyone was invested in him the one thing i will tell you and you're, you're not wrong the one thing i will tell you about pierre trudeau is i don't know if i agree that everyone loved him but everybody had an opinion on him that you can say for absolute certain that there was nobody when you talked about pierre trudeau that people would say uh eh, you know whatever no, no, you either really loved Pierre Trudeau or you really hated Pierre Trudeau, but there was no middle ground. There was no apathy when it came to him. That's a great answer. Nicole, what do you say? Um, before I give like my answer, because it is different, just on that, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms totally changed Canada's like legal and political landscape. Some say for the better, some say for the worst. So you can't like argue that he was an extremely Impactful. like influential figure. Yes. yes, and he signed that. Remember who he signed that with? The Queen. The Queen, <laughs> that's right. Yes, you're right. Just to go back to the last topic. Yeah, that that was may have been the last time that she was for a lot of people, the last time she was truly truly relevant in the country, but that's a people can take issue with me saying that. That's another topic for another day. Who do you think was the greatest Canadian ever? I'm not going to say the greatest Canadian One ever, of the greatest Canadians. One of the greatest. Uh, Wayne Gretzky. It's a great answer. I think he has brought the nation so much pride and the charity and volunteer work he's done and his family has done has just been so amazing and so impactful for the better. You know that how important he was to Canada when the day he got traded, and you guys probably weren't even born yet, but the day he got traded, the House of Commons tried to block the trade to Los Angeles because he was a national treasure. <laughs> I don't know there's ever been an athlete whose trade has been come up as a topic in the House of Commons to, uh, to try and prevent that from happening. But, of course, I mean, and Wayne Gretzky is at the top of the list of, last night we were chatting on the show about best Canadian athletes and best Canadian athletic moments. He is at the top of the list there. So, absolutely, that's a great one. Tony, what do you think? Um, again, I don't know if this is the greatest Canadian, but the first person that came to mind for me was, it's a bit of a weird one, but Leonard Cohen, just because he, his artistic endeavors were such, so wide, like, you know, he started out with his novels and he did like painting and poems and music. And, um, I mean, he's, he's recently passed away, but his legacy is so firmly, um, you know, rooted in all kinds of creative and, artistic things that are, like, unforgettable. Uh, and, and the other, yeah, I mean, you said we could mention a couple. The other one is more of a generic answer, but Terry Fox was a Canadian that, you know, we all learn about him growing up in school. Um, and at the time, you don't have as big of an emotional impact because, you know, you're younger and th it doesn't mean as much to you. But, like, it's hard to listen to a story now without getting choked up, without feeling pride for Canada and feeling inspired. What does, I mean, you, again, you guys weren't alive. What does Terry Fox mean? Because we, that is, and what's really interesting is, I, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up, but at the same time, that would be the 
easiest cliche answer, not cliche, it's not a cliche, that, that makes it sound like it's a negative. That would be the easiest answer, the obvious one. I think a lot of people, if I asked that question, would have said Terry Fox, and you'd be right. But w- for someone who was not alive, Nicole, when he was doing this, what does he mean? I think it's obvious for a good reason, just because he displayed like perseverance in its truest form. And I think it was relatable in the sense that even though we aren't all going through those immense difficulties like as he was, we all go through our difficulties day to day. And even though we aren't running a marathon, we, we're running the marathon of life and seeing him like persevere and always give 100% can just encourage us to do the same. Is that, I mean, Ryan, is that what you think when you think of Terry Fox? What do you think? Because I know every, you know, kids in school, they all do the Terry Fox run now. And we have Terry Fox loonies and we have all this stuff. I mean, what do you think when you think of Terry Fox? I think he just showed that, like, no matter what, never give up on your dreams. Because even though he had cancer and it got removed, but then he had again, he still was dedicated to running across Canada. And he also showed that no matter how bad life is, you can always find the good in life because he would visit hospitals and he would always find the good in kids and he would always cheer people up. And he just motivates you to like just chase your dreams and never give up. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Leonard Cohen as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I, I just looked it up to make sure I was correct and I, I, one of those things I actually was. You know how many verses Hallelujah, the song that he wrote originally had? You know how long it was? It's like, I don't know, six or seven verses more. Eighty. It had 80 verses. That was going to be a long song if you that do an 80 verse hallelujah. You're, you're, you're showing up for a Leonard Cohen concert on Saturday night and leaving <laughs> on Tuesday. That is, uh, and now for the encore that'll take us through the night, we'll have Leonard. That's, um, but I mean, that, that, that was him being a poet. And the funny thing about Leonard Cohen is that if people ask who's the greatest Canadian singer, you'll have some people say that. You also will, they'll throw in Neil Young. We've got great poets who aren't the greatest singers Voice-wise, imagine Leonard Cohen showing up on American Idol or one of those things with his voice. Be like, I, I, Simon Cowell, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but the, but as a poet, as a as a speaker, what, were you guys last year? Do, do you share the same thing about like the tragically hip, or are you guys like is it the poetry? Is it the Canadianness, or was there something else about Leonard Cohen? Because a lot of people would put those two in the same kind of category. I mean, Leonard Cohen to me. Um, has been a bigger part of my life just recently because I read his book, Beautiful Losers, um, and that was a really weird experience, but it was my introduction to postmodernism. I mean, I don't know if any of you have read the book, but it is hard to get through, um, but interesting and bizarre in the greatest way. It just shows you, you know, a, a peek behind the curtain, a look at Leonard Cohen's mind that's very, very interesting. What about Don Cherry? Oh, wow. Anyone going to take Don Cherry? Ryan, you going to take Don Cherry? Uh, I I think he's a Canadian icon. Fashion icon, maybe. A fashion icon? (laughs) I mean, there there are so many other people. We could go through literally like hundreds, thousands of people. And there are a lot of people that you could come up with as the greatest Canadian. I mean, obviously the ones you guys came up with were, were... I don't want to say they're obvious. They weren't necessarily obvious, but they're they're certainly ones that we should be having in that mix for sure. But man, we could be here for hours and hours and hours just with the artists. Next just Friday. Next, next Friday. Friday. <laughs> next Friday. Yes, we will count down the thousand greatest Canadians of all time. Um, no, great answers. I, I you know 
the Don Cherry thing. You know, you know what Don Cherry to me. I, I, I'm not arguing actually that he is the greatest Canadian, but I put him in the same category in some ways with Pierre Trudeau that you came up with. You do not have passive feelings about Don Cherry. You love Don Cherry and think that he's bang on, or you think Don Cherry is a buffoon who is a relic. <laughs> Honestly, there's, there's. I don't think does, does anyone. When his name came up, go, uh, I, I'm familiar with his work, but I don't know it really well. Everybody knows. I, I would argue that among living Canadians right now, Don Cherry is almost, if not more famous than Wayne Gretzky in Canada. In Canada. Would you agree? If you had Don Cherry walking down the sidewalk on one side of the street and Wayne Gretzky walking down the other side, and I don't know if there's anyone else who fits into that, that level. I don't know that more people don't run to Don Cherry. I think the bright suit will definitely be more <laughs> recognizable. That, that, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, but yes, that he has an unfair advantage. I definitely think he's just maybe like he's more recognizable. To see, you know who he is immediately. Absolutely. Okay, great point. I, I had not even thought about the suit, but <laughs> yes, clearly if Wayne Gretzky was to wear something in a fuchsia and a mauve, perhaps... Maybe that would help. But. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHQ.